Hey, this is Reza. This is Sandy. Welcome to the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. Fourth episode of the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. We are recording this a little early. Uh, Carolyn is out in Napa attending a friend's bachelor rep party. She's having a great time. She's been we've we've been talking lightly. Um, but uh, for the purposes of this episode, we've been uh, I think because of some other life stuff that's come up, we've been pushing this back and back. But we did want yeah. to give a little bit of time to this. Uh, and, and that is the new season on Netflix uh, of the show Drive to Survive, which is their Formula One documentary. Uh, I think by this point, you have finished, I certainly have finished, and we wanted to just do a quick postmortem on it. Yeah. So this is the second season that I've seen um, where I've actually been following Formula One. So the the behind the scenes and everything that I'm like the, the racing, none of that's new to me. I've seen all this. I know the results of, of the seasons. Um, if not, if I don't remember the specific results of each race or anything like that, but it's really cool to see the behind the scenes. Like you really get a deep, like, uh, I don't know. It's just like a peek behind the curtains of what you've already been following. You know, mm-hmm. like I know this is like, it was super, um, small, but there's an episode where, you know, given the fact that this year was a really tight title race for the drivers' championship as well as the constructors' championship, yeah. um, in previous years that hasn't been the case. So, like the the closeness of competition was really um, was only for like third through tenth. Like different teams had different rivalries. First yeah. was pretty much always going to be Mercedes. Second, third was either going to be Mer- uh, uh, Ferrari or Red Bull, depending on the year. And then everything else was kind of a crapshoot. Um, you know, nine, eight, nine, ten, and maybe uh, uh, Alfa Romeo, Haas, and Williams. But nevertheless, um, this year, given uh, Red Bull and Mercedes were so close, and so there was a scene where they had like just finished a practice session or qualifying or whatever it was. And um, Lewis Hamilton is just kind of like standing there, look, checking out the Red Bull car. And he's just like taking mental notes. He's just looking around, checking it out, whatnot. And then he goes back to his garage and he starts talking to his mechanics and engineers. And he's like, yeah, and they had like this bit. And then there, there was this thing. It was kind of curved at this specific angle. Like, because the cars, I don't understand nearly enough of the rules. I don't know the rule book and how like different modifications and things can change over the course of a season. But I will say, the car that starts on week one is not the same car that they have at the end of the 22nd or 23rd race of the season, at the last race of the season. They've made many okay. modifications and upgrades to the cars. Certain things can't be upgraded. Like I think engines, for instance, I don't think those can be changed, but like body work, um, different like aerodynamics and maybe other yep. components can be changed. And so you can get improvements. Um, I was just listening to a podcast. I think it was the Ringer F1 show that they were talking about this. The um, if a car were to make no upgrades from week one throughout the rest of the season, they would they could very well be like the Mercedes, you know, dominating week one, and you could very quickly fall to the middle of the pack if they chose to make no upgrades. So yeah, um, yeah it was just cool to see that aspect of it, like this level of detail and competition that these people have, and you know, 
if it, if it comes down to just copying little bits of another person's car to the, at, at the very least send notes back to the factories so that they can run some simulations to just try to ter- try to determine if that replacement on their own car could give them a little bit of an edge over the competition yeah. so um yeah okay what do you think so like i uh, i know that you and i started watching this show together what four years ago at this point yeah and i think you and i were both saying that we were both going to start watching it but you actually started watching it uh, yeah and, and you've certainly been way more consistent about it whereas you know i said i was going to watch it and i was like no nah, i'm okay to not watching it only get the <laughs> updates uh when the new season for drive to survive comes out right uh as someone uh, and i'll share my point of view first as someone who didn't watch a single second of competition (laughs) yeah i was really enthralled by all of the drama and for me the 10 hours that i got to inhabit this world by binging it uh, was more than enough to be like I felt like I knew like uh, I felt like I got everything I wanted out of it uh, if they manipulated footage then so be it I don't care enough of this world to be like oh how how could you have warped this story it feels to me very similar to the the, uh, the mentality that I have while watching the super amazing show Love is Blind on I haven't Netflix. seen it Oh, I don't know. Is it that actually is, good? Uh, it, it is one of the best things I've ever seen on TV. Wow. Okay. Uh, but I know for a fact. I, I, like I, can't, I, I thought it was going to be like kind of like a 90 Day Fiance type of show. And it, it certainly could be, but <laughs> I don't watch what I, you know, well, I'll pejoratively call trashy TV. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. A couple of weeks ago when I came home from a dinner with friends and Carolyn was watching it and I just like sat on the sofa and then like a a couple of episodes in, I just start. I'm also the person yelling at the TV, like, "How could you be doing this to this person?" That is um, that is how that that is how we were watching uh, 90 Day Fiance back when I was watching that show. So so glad we quit it. Um, but yeah, you're just sitting and watching it. I'm pa- I'm pausing it all the time to give a little commentary to Lena, yeah. like, "Yo, yeah, we do the same." Yeah. All right. All right. So it it could be it could be similar. Right. And so what I mean by that is just like I don't mind being manipulated that was the point mm-hmm. I was trying to make. yeah 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 I get because it. it's just entertainment and i once i'm done with the show i'll see you in a year right um so for me it was like the, a nice blend of drama and some cool shots of racing and the sound design is great but i wanted to get your perspective as someone who has really followed it how did you feel about how they portrayed this season racing yeah so i've listened to a bit of commentary from different people now at this point um a few a few podcasts where they were discussing draft to survive obviously i've like followed the uh the formula one subreddit so i'd seen some people's comments on it there as well and i'd seen it in the past too so seasons one and two i i had watched um without having seen the actual racing for the uh for for what the drive to survive was recapping so when i watched season one and i watched season two everything was like oh like i can't i can't wait to see like how this person performed right you're getting this the uh behind the scenes access with them before this race um they're talking about the pressure and they want to do well and like you know season one you like you're going to monaco and daniel ricardo's talking about how red bull usually does really well at monaco and sure enough he ends up winning and in that moment it's like yo i'm excited for him 
as if as if the race just happened and the race didn't actually happen like almost a year prior. So it was really, you know, I really enjoyed seeing it then um, for those two seasons. And then now I've seen people complaining about the the uh, the manufactured drama that um, that Netflix creates and how there are a lot of fans of F1 who don't like Drive to Survive because they make up too much stuff. And I get that aspect of it, but I just didn't feel I just don't feel like they're making up a ton like there are there are no there are there are a couple of moments where I think even I re- recognized where a specific comment was not made at the point that Netflix made it seem. So basically, they had like taken audio that a person yeah. had said, and then they inserted in later on um, about something with a different context, yeah. right? So right. totally recognize that. Totally recognize that it's a bit annoying, and especially for someone like you who didn't who wasn't who is unaware of that you're now hearing this bit of dialogue that makes it sound like this person's a complete douche <laughs> cuz yeah one of the common complaints that i'd seen when i first started watching which was just after season 2 ended so actually the reason why i even started watching formula 1 in the first place is because when um covid when the when the first lockdowns happened all sports were canceled and one of the first sports that that made a comeback was formula 1 and so it was almost like there's nothing else to watch on TV unless you want to watch like the ESPN classic NBA games that they're running or the classic football games that they're running. Like this is the I mean, one. Or Tiger King. <laughs> or Tiger King, which I've still <laughs> never finished. Um, uh, that's too late now. Yeah, the, way too the, late. The cultural zeitgeist has passed. Yeah, you. yeah. So, so Formula One was something that I started watching, and just kind of like, uh, like Gordon was waking up super early in the morning, turn the TV on, and and uh oh there's a race like sure let's check it out and like you know catching the last like 20 laps of a race and i remember even as a kid like turning on the tv and seeing races and thinking like this is kind of boring but having known the different characters from the show characters as if they were actually playing an like there were actors playing a character but knowing the different people from the show it's like oh this gives me something to root for and i think that a lot of americans in general and people like fans of the show have been able to gravitate and become introduced to the sport of formula one because of the show, because you follow certain teams or different drivers. Um, so long answer to your question, I just wasn't, I'm, I'm still not super bothered by a lot of the the drama. Like I know people had said the uh, the drama, the, 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 the quote unquote bad blood between Daniel Ricardo and Lando Norris was exaggerated for television. It wasn't that like I I was unaware of any of the issues between the two of them and and there certainly were like I don't think my my thinking is that Netflix might exaggerate something or that Netflix might for the sake of brevity take take that audio and splice it up that way they can like make it seem a specific way like just kind of just give you the summary or let you know this is kind of what the situation is I'm not saying that Maybe they they do it accurately enough each time. Maybe they maybe they they um, blow it out of proportion. But I also feel like in sport, people like you know these these people are hyper competitive. Um, I think rivalries and and emotions can run high during the season, and after the fact, like people can kind of go back to normal. They can go back to being friendly with one another. Like Max and Lewis did not get they, they they had a lot of comments to make about each other last year during the season, um, especially towards the end when like they had those accidents and whatever else was going on, and so like there was clearly there was clearly bad blood between the two of them during the season. But I don't think any of that like lingered. 
I think that they can get along just fine now and have conversations. Same with same with even T- Toto and Christian Horner. Like I think those two can get along just fine uh, now. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> I think, think Christian Horner. He's burnt. Uh, he's burnt way too many bridges. I mean, he's just he is. I know uh, your feelings on Christian. Weirdly, you guys are also true. He is not weirdly. He's obsessed because it's his job to be obsessed. But he's just like the annoying. Like little dog that would be nipping at your heels, and it's yeah, like, yeah, dude, yeah. My, my guy, if you were a winner, this wouldn't matter. But you aren't a winner, <laughs> and so I don't want to hear it out of you until you are a winner. Right. And I'll say this uh, to to your point earlier. I think uh, I can understand a hundred percent if you don't like sort of something that happened, especially if you were a participant in that being taken out of context. Totally get that. I can understand why that would be really annoying. However, I don't think that would drive to survive the uh, ambition of the show when they set out to make it was to essentially create like, and I'm going to try to go with this metaphor here, but you know, people want this to be like a documentary of sorts, like an accurate retelling, almost like they're trying to create right. orange juice. Right. But you know what Netflix is trying to make? Netflix is trying to make Sunny D, all right? <laughs> and I think different people like it for different reasons. If you wanted orange shoes and you got Sunny D, I can understand why you'd be really upset. But if you're out here and you don't care about orange shoes and you just want the sugar rush from Sunny D, then you're getting what you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just think that uh, you might need to – not you. Uh, no, I know what you're saying. need to understand like – what they're tr- like what is netflix actually trying to make and if you don't like it then don't watch it it's like yep. the same thing with the nfl season where i have to watch there's like uh what there is hard knocks there's also uh the uh the amazon show on nfl teams now and there's also that i watch because my team does it it's uh they do they do a uh documentary series called all in uh, and they capture the good, the bad, the ugly, and I can probably tell you with like you know frighteningly frightening levels of accuracy what was said and wasn't based on you know the same way you've been able to watch all these shows. But it's just you just have to go in with like, all right, what are we trying to do here? Are we trying to do an accurate retelling, or mm-hmm. are we just watching a like, dramatized version of things? And I just think that there might have been either not a misunderstanding, but just like, hey, you're what you're looking for. I'm not trying to make. So you can keep getting upset about this, but I'm going to keep making this because clearly this is doing really well and people want it. And it's just, it's a great way to get people like myself who aren't invested in the world. Like you just lower the barrier because I don't know how many new people to a sport are going to want to learn about like tire strategy and fuel strategy and aerodynamics. Yeah, that's exactly it. From the jump. Yeah. So that's kind of my thing. What I keep hearing people say is there's so much drama in Formula One already. Why does Netflix have to create any new drama? My thing is there's a lot to learn about Formula One. There's a, and like as much as I've know, as many videos as I've watched and as many forums as I've read and fo- like try to follow, there is still a million things that I don't know and I will never understand. Um, Netflix isn't like it, it would be cool if Netflix did have like a supplementary thing to drive to survive. Like, hey, if you were if you're more interested in the sport, but like I feel like that's that's a corresponding piece for a different documentary, which is a lot more accurate in the storytelling of it, of the racing. But like, like you said, 
there's a lot of drama relative to strategy. There was a lot of there were a lot of races early on in the season that they don't they don't talk about this at all. Um, where Lewis with Mercedes team made bad decisions and it led to Lewis losing positions. Had those decisions not been made, he the, the title race wouldn't have been as close. And he may have won he may have won despite coming in second place in that final race last year. So yeah, there's a lot of drama, but it it requires a lot more finesse and a lot more um, fine details that it's just simply too difficult to try to cover in this format that we have. So so yeah, again, I and I, I do understand like the drivers, like Max Verstappen, for instance, he opted to not appear in Drive to Survive this season. And I think moving forward, he doesn't want to be a part of it either. And I know that you saw the listeners obviously wouldn't or may or may not know um, that Netflix, they had to have a sit down with uh, FI, with the FIA. Remember, maybe it was some of the drivers. I'm not sure which organization they were speaking to. But Netflix had to sit down with these people to basically discuss the uh, how they're going about documenting or, or um, telling these stories because these drivers are real people and if they feel that they're 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 uh you know if, if they feel like they're being portrayed as a bad person or or whatever it might it may it may be yeah they have every right to to uh to choose to not appear in it and i think that's where the this weird balancing act comes with the show because mm-hmm. the show is one of the reasons why so many more americans are interested in formula one now it's right. the reason why there are a lot of like it's not even just Americans, but I'm just going to go ahead and say Americans, given the fact that we are speaking as Americans ourselves, and the two of us are at least have the interest in the show. I have the interest yeah. in in Formula One itself, um, and so you get a lot more exposure because of the show. But once like a a, a, a racer like Max Verstappen, he's achieved a much higher level of fame than what the show can provide him he will choose to not be in it anymore, right? Sure. But that's not going to be the case for other people like, say, Lance Stroll, who also, I don't, I don't think he really appeared in the show at all this season. Um, uh, I couldn't tell you. George Russell, um, Nicholas Latifi, like these, these, some of these people, they have a lot to gain from the show still, right? Like some of these people may not be in Formula One for a long period of time, but they can build their own brand and start to capitalize off of that themselves. So yeah, sure. so there's, a, there's still a lot to gain, but Max had a lot to gain from the early seasons as well. And I'm sure there are a lot of fans of his that are fans of his because of the show as well. So, oh yeah, it, yeah. Now, now some of the drivers want to take control of their own destiny, so to speak, and choose to not be in it. That way, they can. Um, I mean, like, think about like this season, right? There were there was still a portrayal of Max that you saw in the show that made you feel a certain type of way about him too, right? Like you felt you felt oh, he yeah. and Christian were almost like one him. of the same, right? And I feel like. With with Max's decision to not appear in the show now, all of a sudden you're getting Max's perspective through Christian, who of course is tainted. Like you, you don't like already. So now, your view of Max might be tainted because of Christian Horner. And had Max spoken, maybe you would have gotten a little clearer picture of who Max is and some of the decisions that he made. Maybe you would like him more than you did at the end of the of this uh, of the series this season. I'll say this though: the also the just the big thing of like. As the show gets bigger, popularity increases. They'll make more money yeah. uh, with just like more events and more outreach of the yep. sport. And so, like, I can again, I understand the human element of like, 
I said something, it was taken out of context, I don't like that. That makes perfect sense to me. And I think that just might need to be a recalibration of expectations of like, hey, as Netflix, what are we trying to achieve? Are you still okay with this? And then we decide if we want to move forward as a concept to be the you know the partner that, that does this. But it also doesn't make sense to be like, listen, this is my show. I can do what I want with it. And uh, I don't care what like all these people out here complaining about like, oh, I wish it was more accurate. I wish it wasn't manufacturing drama. But I'm sure the numbers they have internally are like, oh, this this thing is it's, it's gangbusters. It. They just yeah. they love it, right? <laughs> the yeah. the other thing is, I don't feel like the show is always trying to per- like. I don't think the show portrays people in a negative light a lot of the times either. I think as a, I think some of the drivers might see it that way, but like even the show tried to have like somewhat of a somewhat of a redemption for um um. Uh, Nikita Mazepin, who, like, you could literally see as you're watching it, like, yo, this kid's kind of a dick, dude. Like, he's he's yelling at the team. He's accusing them of, of uh, like, messing with his car, not having the same car as Mick. Um, his dad is threatening to pull his sponsorship if they don't if they don't fix his car because they think that they're trying to pull a fast one on the Mazepins. And then the episode ends with him placing, like, 18th or something. And like the, the funny thing is on the radio, they're like, like, good job. Uh, you know, he made the right call to, um, to pit to switch. Basically what, what happened was they're racing in, in, uh, Sochi. They're racing in Russia, which is his home turf. And he recognizes some clouds in the distance. He's like, yo, it's about to rain. And they're like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, we need to switch to the, um, to the wet tires. Cause the tires that they normally race on are super slick. There's no treading on them. They, if they were to race, if they were to drive on the normal racing t- uh, tires, they would be hydroplaning left and right and crashing mm-hmm. left and right. So I believe that was the race where uh, Lando Norris was leading and he, um, his, his engineers were trying to suggest that he should switch to the intermediate tires. He's like, why would we do that? It's not raining. Meanwhile, Mercedes told Lewis Hamilton, we got to pit and, and, Lewis was like, really? Like, it's not raining. They were like, yeah, we it's it's going to start raining. He's like, okay. And he switches. Um, Norris ends up like falling out. Of, I don't know how deep he fell. He he was certainly- I thought Mazepin did way better than 16th. He he <laughs> he beat Mick Schumacher, who had crashed. He been in, I think he beat a couple of people who had crashed, and he may have passed one other person. So he didn't really oh do as God. well as it made it seem that he did. But like it was like this cool congratulations, like you did you did really well there for Haas. But yeah. in reality, it wasn't anything crazy. And like that was one of the things that Netflix, I feel they do try to do when they're profiling some of these people. They right. still they still try to portray like give them some type of like oh you know like this is this is how they're like this is how they were able to overcome and succeed. Sure. It's not always the case. I, I I also know that too, but I don't know. I'm not I'm not sitting here walking out of the show like, yo, this person's a fucking dick. I can't stand them either. Like, I don't know. That's just me. I though. think if you wanted to have and this is only my view, if you wanted to see race highlights, just go on YouTube, go to the official channel and click those videos, and yeah. it doesn't get like more real than that. Yeah. But this, at no point was I under the expectation or assumption that hey i'm going to get a very realistic retelling of everything yeah because there's always an agenda there's always a story and if netflix is trying to just uh get this to the masses uh then manufacturing drama is a great way to do it because nobody cares or knows you and so if it just means we can cut stuff around to create something that will keep eyeballs glued to my product 
so be it. Yeah. You know? The one thing I do wish they did that they did do a little bit more is discuss a little bit more about some of the some of the finer like so there were some there were some details about the racing that I feel like Netflix could have highlighted even with just like a simple commentary from uh what is it Will Buxton the uh the uh, the journalist the F1 journalist so he, he gets so much screen time he gets a lot of screen time and they have him do a lot of like voiceover commentary and, and discussing certain things and one of the things that they should have done was discuss with regards to the um. It was the Jetta race from last year, which is actually the race that's happening this weekend. Um, crazy thing. Lewis Hamilton qualified 16th. Last year, he qualified first. 16th this year. Anyway, um, so uh, oh, Mercedes just is, is not that good right now. They're, hopefully, they can get their, their out together, but right now, their car is not looking that great. Anyway, um, so the reason, so in last year, um, they're racing along Max or Lewis tries to overtake Max and um, Max ends up going off of the racing track a little bit and yep. he ends up going back ahead of Lewis while he's off the track. Yep. You're not allowed to do that, right? In Formula One, there are some tracks, like <laughs> some tracks have just walls and so you simply can't do that. Some tracks have grass uh, where you're going to get slowed down. Some grass, some tracks have gravel and some tracks just have concrete that's just uh off of the white line so if you were to just choose to like you could just not turn <laughs> and keep going straight right. you can stay ahead of somebody and that's what max basically did more or less did right and so what the uh what the stewards did who are basically like the referees they were, they're sitting there watching it like think of like the replay booth type of deal in um in other sports yeah they can be like hey um we're gonna give you a penalty and like a lot of times they'll do this right like say um say so when you when you get a pit stop you have to drop your speed to like 60 miles an hour or something like that uh -huh. if you were to drive faster than that speed limit they're going to penalize you now there's not a penalty that they can do like to say hey give that position back so what they'll do is give you like a five second penalty so that five second penalty will either be tapped onto your total time at the end of the race or the next time you go for a pit stop they won't they won't be allowed to start work on your car for five seconds which is yeah. what they profiled with, with uh, what happened to Lewis when he and Max crashed in Silverstone. Yeah. He had a 10 second penalty. Um, so what happened here was they were like, you got to give the position back. Now, when you give a position back, that's a much better outcome for you as a driver because you still have a chance now. You're not losing five seconds. You know, you might just lose a 10th of a second and you can still pass the person. So he tried to do this strategically. And this is what they said, like give the position back, but do it strategically. There's a thing called DRS, which is drag reduction system. Basically, on the Formula One cars, they have this big ass spoiler in the back of the car, and within certain regions of a of a racetrack, they can um, open up the wing a little bit, which basically allows for additional airflow through the wing, and their top speed is increased by like six miles an hour. Not a crazy amount, but enough to pass somebody. But you can't like just turn this on at free will. Um, there are typically each track has different DRS zones is what they call them and DRS detection points. So if you are within one second of the car in front of you and you are beyond the third lap of the race or beyond a third lap of any like safety slowdown type of deal, you can, um, activate your DRS. Um, there'll be like two, sometimes like anywhere between like one to three DRS zones on a racetrack or, or any circuit. And, um, what Max's strategy was here was 
I'm going to give the place bat to Lewis just before a DRS detection zone. That way, when Lewis passes me, I'll be within one second of him. And once we go around the turn, I'll be able to activate my DRS and I could just pass him back. Now, so that's what Max, that's, that's the strategic aspect of this. So Max was trying to let Lewis go by. Lewis, of course, knew this too. And Lewis was like, I'm not going to pass him going to a DRS detection zone. He's just going to pass me right back. So that's why he slowed down. And so he's intentionally staying behind Max. I think he still, like, the, the issue was he actually hadn't been told that Max was giving the spot back. So he was really confused as to what was going on. Um, and then all of a sudden, Max braked a little bit harder <laughs> and Lewis couldn't react in time. And so they crashed into each other. They didn't explain that in the show at all. So you're sitting there like, oh, the strategic aspect of it. And I know, like, this, I just gave this yeah. explanation that went on for like four minutes. So right, I don't my know. Eyes if- glazed over. <laughs> so, uh, but like, those were some of the, that was some of the just kind of like, fuckery that was going on last season because because like it was such a close title fight the the drama that people talk about there's so much drama in formula one think about like think about it almost as if you're watching game of thrones like that's how i kind of think about it the the quote-unquote drama that we experience is in the anticipation and the like I'm, i'm seeking more content i want more content i want to hear what this person has to say there's not always a race every week um there, there's either a race every week or every other week. The The season has so many races now that there are a lot of like back-to-backs basically. But there are a lot of races where you're going like two weeks in between them. So people are just like eager for information. They're eager for content. They start reading into things. They start looking into things as much sure. as they possibly can. They seek out all sorts, of inter- all sorts of interviews with additional people or with people affiliated with the team, if not the drivers or the, or the managers themselves. Yeah. So... um. You can't really replicate that in in Drive to Survive. It's really difficult to do that. Well, you have ten hours. Yeah, right? you, you have ten hours, but like, you can't give all this context. It's so well, much exactly. context, and yeah, a lot of the drama is the wait. It's the delay. You're there's so much drama because five five races before the end of the season, Max was up like forty points on Lewis, and all of a sudden in uh, Brazil. Mercedes basically give Lewis this engine. This they, they tweak the car a bit. Um, normally, an engine is supposed to last something like eight races. They basically like overclocked his his engine, so his engine was only going to last like five races. Um, he had to take a penalty to do that. You're only allowed to change your engine so many times a season. Um, so they gave him this new engine, but then he had to start at the back of the uh, at the back because some more drama that they didn't talk about. Red Bull had like filed an appeal and they determined that his DRS spoiler thing was too wide. It was too wide by like a millimeter. So he had he was penalized and had to start the race at in 20th place instead of like 10th place, which is what he should have had based after his penalty. Uh-huh. So his engine was so powerful. They kept referring to it as the, the spicy new Mercedes engine. He went from 20th to first. He won that race. He um, He won the next like four races and he closed the gap from like... 20 so 20 30 points or whatever it was to just dead even so that was over the course of like a month real time but that's how much drama there is it's like oh shit like how's like they got this new engine they're looking really good it almost looked like red bull was just going to run away with it they were ahead by this many points like with uh four races to go no shot mercedes comes back but then like race after race after race after race lewis wins 
you just really can't replicate that in the show. You can't like build that anticipation, the excitement, like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen this week? I hope Max wins or I hope Lewis wins. Like it's, it's just, uh, so I don't know. I'm, I appreciate the, the Netflix show for what it is and additional insight that you get, like Lewis checking out at other cars and, and, uh, and whatnot. So, yeah. I'll say this while listening to everything that you just said, I don't know if I cared about really (laughs) most of it. And what I mean by that is (laughs) like, if you appreciate it, then I think it's awesome, right? Because you get so much content. And like you said, it's so dramatic inherently that I can understand why to some fans, it feels disingenuous and super manipulative to create drama that it doesn't exist when when the, uh, the season itself is inherently filled with so much drama you could be pulling on. The issue is, from my perspective, all that stuff that you talked about with engine stuff, I could barely follow. Okay. Yeah. So now you have to get me to understand the rules. You have to get me to understand the strategy. You have to get me to understand how things work. And by the time I haven't like sort of gone cross-sided all this new information, then you get to tell me what happened. And I just think that for people who are super into the sport, it comes very naturally because they've already spent so much time doing it. But for those who are just looking to have like essentially something really cool to watch for a couple of a couple of days maybe and like yeah. hear some cool sounds and like feel like you're part of James Bond because you're traveling <laughs> all around the world. The boats, and you get, Monaco. Yeah. The yachts, yeah, you get to see Monaco, yachts, you get to see yeah. Jetta, you get to see like all of these really cool places around the world you kind of forget exist. And meanwhile yeah. – the drivers are essentially Bond villains. They have these weird names. They all speak multiple <laughs> languages. You're racing Formula One cars. Like, there's only yeah. 20 people in the world that do this. Like, you're already not really relatable. So the drama needs to be, for me, just surface level. Just be like, oh, this guy's an asshole. This guy's a dick. <laughs> and that's enough. And it's like, all right, cool. Because my desired, like, relationship with this subject matter is so surface level. That if you want to go below, I'm just going to turn it off. I'm just going to be like, nope, stop yeah. talking. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about this anymore. And so, I think that's what like Netflix probably did a lot of market research and said, all right, well, this seems like a really cool thing to do, but how far can I go before your eyes start to roll into the back of your head? Uh, and I think they must have found it at some point. I was like, all right, I guess we're just going to like create a dating show like sort of uh, model. And then just see how long we can uh, we can do it. It's just probably frustrating if you're you just so happen to be one of the 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 characters in real life about it, and you're like, dude, I keep saying stuff, and you keep cutting it in certain ways. I can understand how that would feel really shady and manipulative, uh, but I think it's just a misunderstanding, a misalignment of people's expectations of what essentially becomes an entertainment product. Right, and at the very least, I mean you really do get a nice springboard for people like me, for a lot of other Americans. Yeah. I know like a, like the fact that the ringer is doing an F1 show and many of them have, have discussed that they've become fans of the sport because of the show. Right. Like you, you are really giving a, uh, your barrier, your barrier to entry to watching formula one is so much lower because of the show. Right. And you, like you said, you're now getting a whole lot more fans because of it. Like the U.S., the U.S. had one Grand Prix. It was in Austin, Texas. This year, they're adding uh, Miami. So you're going to have like a Miami Vice-themed uh, race. And there's talks apparently of, of, of Vegas getting another one. Right. So the U.S. may very well have three three races in the coming years and potentially more. 
um yeah it's i don't know yeah, there's just like, no reason to there's no reason in my mind to gatekeep a sport or an entertainment product like this it's the same people who like you know you go to the super bowl party and you're not really there for the game right yeah, you're, you're yeah. there for the commercials or you're just there because you just want to see like the obligatory almost three hours of football that year and you just want to watch the most important three hours i get it and for me who's someone who's like really into football i might not want to watch it with you because i'm not there where you're talking during the game but somehow you're quiet during the commercials right it's just right in that and i'm not going to sit here and talk about oh my gosh let me tell you about all the major storylines from all the all the teams because i happen to follow this way more closely than the average person if i did that to a lot of people their eyes are going to glaze over it's like dude i just threw five dollars at this random set of boxes hoping i'm going to win some money like, I'm, I'm just i'm playing a lottery tonight with this as opposed to hey let me tell you about cover two defenses and how far they've come <laughs> in like this new defensive scheme you know what I mean? yeah so in that regard it's like oh there's no sense in gatekeeping this stuff it's fun i love the show I really love the show. I think I'm usually the fastest one out of all my friends to watch it just because I can just have it on and just like next thing you know, I'm done with the show. And I yeah. had a blast going through it. Um, but like if you ask me what DRS stands for, if you're going to ask me like what happens when a safety vehicle comes out, how did this happen? How did this rise? I, I don't care. I don't care. I just wanted to see some cool edits. I like seeing these cars fly around the circle with the track. I love learning about these like really crazy individuals who all somehow live in Monte Carlo or Monaco. It's like, I, yeah. you guys are honestly not Bond villains when you look at yourselves in the mirror. Um, and so that's like the, the arm's length relationship that I like having with this show. And it works for me. Yep. Yeah, totally. But I also like that it works for you as well to a degree, even though you're like way more into it. Uh, and so I think there's a, a flexibility there that seems really, really cool that they were able to potentially hit a sweet spot for a good number of people. Not everybody. No show's perfect, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. You should we get out of here? Yeah, let's get out of here. This is a, I'm glad we, I'm glad we talked about it because I know we've been meaning to talk about it since the, uh, the end of, you know, whenever we both watched it. Yeah. You know what, you know, really quick, before we get out of here, what are your thoughts on the final race? So I, we I got a we got a lot of racing in those last two episodes. We got a lot more racing, I think, than we would tr- normally get, and I think that's where yeah. you kind of got a lot more of that drama because, again, it, it was inherently dramatic given the accidents, the tight race, um, the 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 shenanigans and such. So, like that final the final moments of that final race. So it felt like knowing what we knew about that race where the top two drivers on like teams that hate each other are both vying uh to to win the championship one team has obviously done it what seven times in a row or seven years in a row yeah, the other seven one. years in a row yep lewis had lewis won six of those seven his teammate won right. one of them and i can't believe that was it botas no, it was uh, Nico Rosberg. So uh, this right. was like 2016. I remember listening to Bill Burr talk about it. I didn't watch. I didn't watch Formula One for like two or three years. At, uh, at, uh, right, two right. or three years later. Right. So it just felt like you know, and knowing that the governing body or the referee club of uh, of FIFA, not FIFA, of FIA, certainly knew what they had on their hands to have yeah. a photo finish. I think they just got a little hammy. With the uh, the wham bar on like the what's it called the, the whammy bar on a guitar where it's yeah. like I think they were just futzing around with it a little too much at the end 
where they were trying to make it where like it was essentially 1v1 like iso yeah, coming yeah. down the lane 10 seconds no shot clock and i was like yeah i i understand why you would feel like compelled because it feels like all the stars have aligned this is the best way to grab like a whole new generation of fans but I think the amount of shenanigans and tomfoolery to essentially create it felt so synthetic that I was like, right. are we even racing at this point? Or are we just being told by race command to like move in a certain uh, positions? And it just felt like, oh, you're just like mulliganing it just to do it so that you can get like the most dramatic finish. And I thought that was a bit of a disservice. I also just didn't really understand and experience before that point the power of this governing body to essentially dictate point. how yeah. something like this could work. I just thought they were like, hey, they're just some curmudgeon old people up there. They got the rule book ahead of them, and they're the ones that are similar to like refs at an NFL or NBA game where like they know the rules. You're going to call it like they see it. But what I didn't realize was in Formula One, you can essentially complain get their attention on things and be like, all right, you know what? My bad. Let me go look at it. Right. As opposed to, did the refs see it or not? If they didn't see it, continue playing. Exactly. While you're all you can out do is complain, yapping, that's about it. Yeah. They're not going to so change anything. And you know how we feel in America about someone who's always like yapping for calls. Yep. We don't like diving in True. soccer. Nope. And so if someone's out here just like, you know, it's not like you're at the Y where you call your own fouls. Uh, either they call it or they don't. If they don't, you better get down the floor. Uh, yeah. And so when I saw that, I was like, mm, this this feels really just like, are we all just diving right now to like try and pretend like we're, we're actually competing? That felt like a little, uh, I didn't like that at all. Yeah. So obviously I followed it really closely when it happened. I, uh, I was definitely uh, rooting for Lewis last year. And um, in the moment you're sitting, I'm sitting there watching the race. I was watching it a little bit delayed because, you know. I got a life. <laughs> um, so I'm, no, I'm sitting there watching it. I'm like probably like half an hour delayed after what was actually happening. And I'm watching the race and like Lewis is ahead by like 15 seconds. I'm like this, this, there's no way he loses. But like I had seen something earlier. Um, I can't remember what it was, but I'd seen something that made me realize or made me think that Max ended up winning the, the, the race and the championship. And there were a couple of things. And like they did highlight it during the Netflix documentary where um, – Perez, Max's teammate, was holding Lewis up for, for like a lap or two, maybe even longer. And the reason that was important is because Max was able to pit and get new tires, but he was close enough to Lewis that Lewis couldn't pit without Max choosing to just go forward. So the yeah. whole the whole issue was really Max was able to pit to take a pit stop after the crash and keep his position and and end up being like, you know, right right on lewis's tail because of the safety car and just like you said all of a sudden the uh you know we have when we we are getting this this audio as fans like we're watching the race and we are hearing the audio with christian saying to michael massey the former now director of the fia or or maybe not fia but whatever formula one whatever they, whatever his title is and He's like, no, we got to race, dude. Like, we we got a good lap. Like, we we just clear that car off the off the track. We can race right now. Like, we let's go. And uh, <laughs> and Toto, uh, the uh, the the team principal of Mercedes, is kind of like, no, nah, like, no, nah, it's not safe to drive. No, we right. we're just gonna keep going around. And, like, we'll end the race under a safety car. And I don't really know how much he was campaigning during in the moment because maybe he didn't think that it was gonna be a race anyway. 
because the crash happened on like lap 53. I think there were 58 laps total in the race. And uh, on lap 57, they're like, hey, all the cars that are between Lewis and Max who have been lapped, go ahead and unlap yourselves. This was important because if they didn't unlap themselves, it's unlikely, even though they, they're by rule, they have to get out of Max's way. They, it's, there's still cars that Max have to pass and it's distance between him and Lewis. Right. And so that felt super, uh, super suspect. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the, the, the issue that I had with it is really with the decision that was made the way it was made, knowing that, that Max had new brand new soft tires, which are like the fastest of the, of the tire sets. And Lewis was driving on like 30 some lap old hard tires, which are the slower of the sets. Um, there was no chance that Lewis was going to be able to hold Max off. So the issue that I had was by deciding that they're going to have a racing lap, they decided the winner of the race. There yeah. was effectively nothing Lewis could have done right. to prevent it. So that was the issue that I had and the, like, the frustration about it. Now, the other, the other side of the coin is, well, like, there have been, you know, what, what, what was the, uh, the, it was like the NFC championship game, right? Not like, like three years ago where there was a missed pass interference call and it resulted in, uh, I think was the oh, Packers yeah, the losing was, yeah. Wait, so wait, Packers losing? Was no, it, it was the, the Saints losing. It was the Saints losing. Okay. Who, who did they lose to? Uh, was it the was Vikings? The... I don't know, but it's happened. It's happened it's multiple happened times. times. Yeah. Yeah. It's happened to, multiple to times. Yeah. Right, it led to the it led to the rule change where you could challenge a pass like a mispass interference call, which they never really instituted. Right. <laughs> they never like uh, flipped their decision on. But like that was that's kind of what it felt like, but but different too because in this moment it's like okay, well, unlike the decision to throw a flag or not throw a flag, this is something that they were like looking into. They were planning. They were they made a decision. It, they had more time given despite the fact that it was so stressful. And they were on a time crunch. It wasn't like an, an a um, it wasn't a reactionary toss your flag in the air or not toss your flag in the air. Right. It was a okay. We got to like scramble to get this going. We have four or five laps to get this thing cleared out the way. Hurry up, guys! We got to clear things in the, out the way. Meanwhile, you got Christian Horner in your ear yelling at you, telling you, "Hey, we got to race. We got to race." Like I don't know. It's uh, it, it was, just feels uh, like at a certain point in a situation like this specifically. Yes, you can continue to go around the track, but those laps shouldn't count. Like, if yeah. no one's racing, right? Like, if we're just trying to literally go around the track to keep our cars warm and all, or keep the tires warm, and then no one's really allowed to race or do anything that's considered uh, truly yeah, there's um, no passing. competitive, yeah. then it shouldn't count as a lap. Just like pause it at fifty three, uh, yeah. you do the math, and I'll, that was the other know, thing. They could the have called it. There are red flags, like when there's a, when there's an accident that's that bad, and there's enough um, debris on the track, or uh, like with uh, what happened today in qualifying with Mick Schumacher's um, with his um, crash that you I don't I don't know if you saw the picture the the footage of it, but like it was so bad that they need to have like an ambulance come out and everything. They just red flag the race. So if they actually wanted to have the race end under racing conditions, but it be fair, they should have red flagged the race. All the cars who were lapped would be would unlap themselves, but everyone would get free pit stops at that point. Right. Now we all start as if the race is brand new, but now you got like four or five laps of racing 
right. and it's it's like you know a level playing field at that point right. so the 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 other issue is and i know i didn't make it clear i'm not sure anyone really is going to care but when he made when they made the decision to allow the cars between lewis and matt to unla- uh and max to unlap themselves the other cars who had been lapped were not allowed to unlap themselves right and this had additional this could i don't actually know what the math would work out to but the cars who were behind then who had to be lapped like the the fight for like third or fourth place could have been tighter or could have made a bigger bigger could have been a bigger impact but because they weren't allowed to unlap themselves it was like wait why are why is the preferential treatment being given to the driver's exactly. championship contenders it should be fair across the board. I don't care if exactly. they're contending for a championship because right. if let's just say that the, the, the fight between third and fourth for between Mercedes, um, Ferrari and McLaren was tight, that's millions of dollars that you're talking about. And we didn't get a chance to compete for that. Like, come on. Right. <laughs> so And so that's why it's also like it to me and the hot take here is the fans outrage regarding all of this is also performative to a degree because you think that Formula One is supposed to be tier one of all racing anywhere in the world, right? Yeah, That's what they yeah. say. That this is the, the... The pinnacle of all racing, right? The pinnacle of all motor like racing. Yeah. But it also looks like the rules, like, the points are made up and the rules don't matter. Or whatever the <laughs> saying is. Where it's like, oh, yeah, we're just, yeah, yeah. we're making it up as we go along. Yep. Uh, this feels super amateurish. Uh, not fair. Yeah. Uh, wildly inconsistent in the application of the rules. Uh, and like you said, if other people are competing for millions of dollars on the line, let's not forget that they're also racing too. And so this amount of preferential treatment to the top two is such, such a bad look. Yeah, yeah. So um, after the fact, Mercedes, you, you can appeal. You can do various things. So Mercedes appealed to the stewards and were basically like, this shouldn't have been allowed to happen. Um, they they need to they should um, reinstate the race order from before the safety car because of blah blah blah. Right now, the rule book says that the race director can can allow any car. That's the specific phrasing. They can allow any car to unlap themselves, and by the application of the word any, he was basically able to select those like four or five cars who had been lapped to unlap themselves, but not the others. They've changed the rules now to say either all the cars or none of the cars. You can't just like pick and choose cars. They've also not allowed um, they so the uh, the report also like broke down what happened and that the direct communication with the race di- with the uh, race director and the team principals that can't happen anymore. It's distracting. Right. They didn't necessarily say oh he made the wrong decision, but they did say that having the additional comment commentary from these people who were yeah. obviously biased is going to influence his decision yeah. and it's going to influence how he handles things he can't think these things like his job is to have a safe race so his job is to get the nicholas tv's car off the track determine if people it? should be unlapped and then race if you have any racing laps left so the uh that specific appeal failed for mercedes they could have taken it to a higher level there's like a weird court thing that i don't fully understand uh, but they could have taken it to this court. court yeah you got to take it to a court and uh potentially have this um overturned mercedes thought about it for a little bit they actually initially filed the um they they filed their intention to appeal and then they uh they let it, they dropped it from there they like said they didn't they felt that if if 
if they were to follow through with it um and i guess if it were to be overturned it could it could affect the integrity of the sport and blah 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 blah. like the integrity of the sport hasn't already been compromised the other thing in addition to the safety of this race is with the advent of uh gambling uh sports gambling and all this stuff how do i not know or how do i know that massey whatever whatever his name is didn't have massive amounts of money on this race (laughs) if a single person right can affect the outcome of a race that's absurd a non-participant can affect the outcome of a race knowing there could be millions of dollars in sports bets on like right yeah that's what that's why calvin ridley got uh suspended for the entire year is because uh, a semi-active even though he really technically wasn't active and he didn't bet on the games that he was participating in or he did not bet against his own team the fact that he was quote-unquote close enough to active status in the NFL that he was caught only betting $1,500. I only say, I say only because this man is making multi, multi millions of dollars a year that they decided for the integrity of the sport. Now we don't have to discuss if you believe that it was the right thing to do or not, but there is a corollary here to, Hey, can I trust that the results of this are pristine? And just after having seen that last episode, I'm like, oh, none of this matters. And this outrage of like, oh, you manufacture, uh, you manufacture dramas. Like, is that not what the race director did in the, in the final season of this race? Um, yeah. So is it, are you only allowing certain people to manufacture drama and you just don't like that someone else is doing it? It just felt uh, like weirdly – and I don't want to call people hypocrites – but it was a weird bending of the logic that people were employing, uh, potentially yes. unknowingly. But once you sit there, you're like, so Massey, the race director or the safety coordinator, whatever his title is, he's yeah. allowed to do whatever he wants, quote unquote, in this scenario. But Netflix isn't allowed to just like have people say stuff and cut it in a certain way. Like, come on. <laughs> come on. Yeah. Come on. One is actually affecting the outcome of your sport. And the other one is just for people who are just like literally guys in the peanut gallery like myself leaning back to be like, yo, this guy, this guy's an asshole. And that's really my contribution to like the noise of the sport. Meanwhile, this other person can literally change the history uh, and, and future performance simultaneously of your sport. So let's let's get off our high horse a little bit and, and recognize what actually needs to get fixed. Yep. All right. All right. All right. Let's get out of here. All right. All right. Sounds good. I'm Reza. I'm Sandy. Thanks for watching and listening. We'll see everyone next week.